It was a magical 2023 season for the Baltimore Orioles. 101 wins, an AL East title, the best record in the American League, and an incredibly quick turnaround as they come out of this rebuild. But in just three postseason games, it all came crashing down as the O's were swept by the Rangers with a lost Tuesday night that ended their season. I'll try to recap it all and put a little perspective on it. Coming up on a somewhat somber episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are recapping the loss that ended the Orioles' 2023 season, falling 7-1 to to the Texas Rangers in Game 3 of the ALDS in Arlington on Tuesday night. And it was a sweep. An Orioles team that was not swept all year, had not been swept since May of 2022, before Adley Rutschman was called up to the big leagues. Well, Adley experienced his first sweep at the worst possible time as they go three and out in the postseason, and they are still waiting. Haven't had a postseason win still since 2014. And I'm going to recap the 7-1 loss that ended the year, giving you the five things you need to know from the game, including how it really feels for it to be over this quickly, Dean Kramer just not looking like himself in this one. And a really good postseason, though, for a couple of Orioles rookies. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. So this was the podcast that, well, I've kind of been dreading all year. Because although the Orioles have been so good, won the division, 101 wins, best record in the American League, you always felt like that Braves team was amazing. And that Dodgers team was amazing. And the Astros, always there. And the Rangers looked dangerous. And the Rays looked dangerous. There were some good teams. And it just felt like even though the O's were this good, as there is every year for every team, there's a good chance you don't win the World Series. So I always knew in the back of my mind There'd be a podcast episode where I'd be recapping the Orioles season ending without them lifting the World Series trophy. I tried to convey this on Twitter on Tuesday night. Never did I imagine that it would end like this and it would end this early as the O's go down without a playoff win. They are swept by the Rangers in three games in the ALDS, losing 7-1 to on Tuesday night to end the season. And trust me. Later this week on the podcast, we've still got two more episodes this week, and we will continue daily Monday through Friday throughout the MLB postseason. We will do more perspectives on both what happened in this series and just the good and bad overall from this entire 2023 season. Try to stay away from as much narrative ball as possible, but we're going to get into it, like what went wrong in the postseason, what do the O's need to fix this offseason heading into 2024. We'll get to all that, but today's episode is just about what happened Tuesday night in Texas. The final game of an incredible 2023 season. And the Orioles, unfortunately, went out not with a bang, but with a whimper. With a 7-1 to loss to the Texas Rangers. And after an entire season 
of not being swept. 91 consecutive series dating back to last year not being swept. They're swept when it mattered most. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 7-1 loss on Tuesday night that ended this incredible run. And the first thing you need to know is, just after all that, it's somehow over. And again, it's just hard to put into words how it feels for it to be over this quickly. I mean, after all those wins we saw, 101 wins, some incredible victories, some great comebacks, some amazing moments, it's almost unbelievable to think we didn't even get to experience one playoff win, let alone a playoff series win. We didn't even get to see one playoff win at all. And it's kind of jarring comparing it to the rest of this entire season. You know, we talked about over the weekend when the Orioles lost games one and two at home on Saturday and Sunday, how Saturday's game was the Orioles pitched the ball very well. They held the Rangers offense at bay The Orioles on offense just couldn't get anything done, couldn't convert when they had the chances, couldn't put a lot of base runners on, and they lost 3-2. Then we talk about what happened Sunday. Grayson Rodriguez melts down, the bullpen doesn't help, and they can't pitch, but the bats wake up, they make a late rally, they lose 11-8, but you're still feeling not great, but okay, like, okay, they can pitch, and they can hit. They've shown us. So the goal was, let's put them both together for one game, win game three, and keep the season alive. Instead, the Orioles did the opposite. They didn't pitch well. They didn't hit well. And that's why they're going home after a very disappointing, very flat and deflating Game 3 loss in Texas. And credit to this Rangers team, right? I I just want to get this out of the way, first of all. This team is playing some really good baseball. They went into Tampa and squashed the Rays in a quick two-game sweep in the wildcard series. I mean, just beat them down. The Rays looked worse than they had all season in that two-game series. And to be quite honest with you, you could argue that the Rangers also made the Orioles look worse than they have all season in this quick three-game ALDS. This Rangers team has a potent offense. It is deep. There are no breaks one through nine. The bullpen isn't great, but they've got some good arms in there, and you can really shorten your bullpen in the postseason. And they've got starting pitching depth, even with the injuries that they've taken on. Eovaldi looks great. Jordan Montgomery looks great. They will patch it together with the Andrew Haney's and the Dane Dunning's when they need to, and Martin Perez. Plus, they've got John Gray coming back potentially, and maybe even Max Scherzer coming back for this team as well. they got more pitching depth than you think. This team looks primed to potentially win a World Series here in 2023, so credit to the Texas Rangers. Listen, the Rangers were the better team than the Orioles in all three games of this series. It's not like there was flukes, weird stuff that happened. This was not a 2014 ALCS against the Royals. That's not how this series went. The Orioles were beat fair and square by a team that was better than them in this series. But still, this year was an incredible ride. And again, I'll talk more and more about this as the offseason goes on. Yes, it was a disappointment how it ended. Very, very disappointing how they went out. But an incredible, incredible ride on this amazing and magical season. But the second thing you need to know from the Orioles 7-1 loss in Game 3 on Tuesday night is that somehow Dean Kramer went out there in Game 3 and pitched worse than Grayson Rodriguez did in Game 2. Rodriguez, who went an inning and two-thirds, five runs allowed in Game 2, had to pull him in the second inning. I couldn't imagine an Orioles starter being worse. And although Kramer gave up the solo homer to Corey Seager in the first inning... He came out there in the second, got a couple of outs. You know, there was two outs. It was one nothing, and he thought, okay, Dean Kramer does not look very good. He's probably not going to pitch deep into this game, but it looks like he'll probably at least get through two innings of one-run ball, and that will solidify him as a better start than Grayson Rodriguez. Then everything fell apart 
for Kramer in the second inning, just as it had for Grayson two days earlier. And Dean Kramer leaves the game just as early as Rodriguez did. He goes an inning and two-thirds in his first career playoff start. Six runs, seven hits, zero strikeouts, one walk, and two homers. Threw 53 pitches to record just five outs. He had four hard-hit balls against him, although it seemed like more. And the Rangers just crushed him. And I talked about this on Tuesday's episode, kind of previewing Game 3, concerns about Dean Kramer, talked about how he needed to pitch deeper into the game for the O's to win this game and try and come back and win this series. And I also talked about how he did have a pretty good start against Texas earlier this year, but it was overshadowed by some batted ball luck. The Rangers hit him very, very hard. He hasn't been super great in September down the stretch of the season. His peripherals all year have not been good, and it was just worrying me having Kramer start this game, which is why when I previewed the playoffs and I was predicting the playoff roster and how the Orioles would shake it out, now, back then, we thought John Means was going to be healthy. Obviously, him not being healthy meant Dean Kramer basically had to start one of these games. But that's why I thought with a healthy John Means that they would have Rodriguez, Bradish, then Means and Gibson start the four games that they needed to in the ALDS and move Dean Kramer as kind of a fireman, you know, link-up bridge guy in the bullpen because I was worried about him against the Rangers offense. And we completely saw all of that on Tuesday. Now we know Dean Kramer is a fastball pitcher, right? That's what he's been all year. Heavy on the fastballs. It's a four-seamer, it's a sinker, and a cutter. That is what most of his usage looks like. That's what most of it was Tuesday. Now he kind of went away from the sinker and threw a lot of four-seamers, and that could have been a little bit of an issue as well. The cutter was okay. That was probably his best pitch on the night. But he only threw 53 pitches because he just wasn't effective really at all. And it just felt like everything caught up to Dean Kramer. And we know, right, that there were other things on his mind. He talked about his family in Israel when he was talking with the media on Tuesday and on Monday. So we do know, you know, he said he still wanted to pitch, but said it was going to be on his mind. And you don't know how much that impacted him at all. But he was just bad. And it's very similar to how I talked about Grayson Rodriguez's start from Sunday. You know, Kramer was great this year, especially in the second half, really helped the Orioles win this division. But there's no sugarcoating it. He was terrible in his first postseason start. And you could just see how bad some of the misses were on these pitches. For example, the homer that Seager hit, second batter of the game in the bottom of the first to put the Rangers up one nothing. Kramer's trying to rightfully throw a changeup down in a way that kind of runs out of the zone and gets Seager to either swing and miss or roll one over for a ground out. Instead, he misses down and in with his changeup right in Seager's power zone, and he obliterates a baseball to right field to make it one nothing. Then he tries to go change up to Mitch Garver with the bases loaded, and Garver lines it down the line for a two-run double that put the Rangers up 3-0 in the second inning, just kind of hung a changeup righty-righty. Kramer, who rarely throws righty-righty changeups, tried to throw one in there. And then really to Adolis Garcia, the three-run homer in the second that basically put this game away in the second inning, made it 6 nothing, knocked Kramer out of the game, basically was like, this thing is over in inning number two. That's how deflating game three was on Tuesday night. But he tried to go high with a four-seam fastball, which is how you attack Adolis Garcia. One of the big holes in his swing, besides chasing breaking balls down and away, is high fastballs at the top or above the zone. He has trouble getting to those pitches. Kramer tried to go up there, instead left it kind of middle in, and Garcia delivered a three-run shot to put the game away. It was just too many bad misses, too much hard contact. It just it wasn't 
a competitive start. I mean, and the reason I say it was worse than Rodriguez, not just that he gave up more runs, but at least Grayson had a little bit of batted ball luck go against him. There was, you know, the weird infield dribbler that turned into an infield single, couple of ground balls that got through against Rodriguez. No, Kramer was just being smashed all day by the Rangers offense. And, you know, maybe you could argue you pull him before Garcia hits the three-run homer, right? And they pulled him after that and went to Tyler Wells, and Tyler Wells was warming in the bullpen in the second inning. Now, you got to remember, you have to give time to your reliever to get ready. You are not having a reliever start to throw at the beginning of the second inning. That's just not going to happen in any game, even a playoff game. And especially because, remember, all five of those runs in the second were scored with two outs. Kramer had two outs with the runner on first, still a one nothing game. If you're Brandon Hyde, you're thinking, all right, Dean can you know make his way through the second, then we'll evaluate from there, see if we can get him through the third. Instead, he starts allowing base runners, then you make the call, Tyler Wells gets up, starts to throw, starts getting hot, and by the time he's ready, you maybe can't even get him in there against Garcia because it just went so fast for them to add on those runs in that big second inning. And yeah, would you have probably liked him to not face Garcia a second time? Probably. And maybe Tyler Wells gets him out and maybe keeps the game closer at 3-0 and maybe the O's have a chance to come back and win. But it's like, if you're pulling your starter in the second inning, no matter when you pull him, you're already well behind the eight ball. And that is where the Orioles were at that point. I get that Brandon Hyde made a couple of questionable decisions in this series, but Brandon Hyde did not give up five and six runs and knock it out of the second inning back-to-back games as a starting pitcher. Those were two guys he trusted a lot of this year in Rodriguez and Kramer, and they just did not get it done. We'll turn things around a little bit more of the positive to finish off the pod with the next couple of segments, continuing to break down this game because there still were some good things in the series and even in this game, despite the 7-1 loss. We'll talk about those coming up next. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, the Major League Baseball postseason, it's still happening. As much as we might want to be in denial as Orioles fans that, you know, baseball doesn't exist for a couple of days after your team gets eliminated, October baseball is still here. And you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to homers to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. So unfortunately, as sad as it is to say, the Orioles' season is over. With a 7-1 loss to the Rangers on Tuesday night in Game 3, they are swept out of the ALDS, and this magical campaign comes to a close. I'm continuing to recap the final game of this series. Third thing you need to know from the 7-1 loss is that Gunnar Henderson capped off, although it was only three games, an incredible first postseason for the guy who was going to be the shoe-in winner for AL Rookie of the Year here in 2023. He capped off that campaign with a really, really great postseason. And it didn't start off super well, right? We know how game one ended in the ninth inning. O's down one. Henderson leads it off with a single to right field. Then gets thrown out trying to steal second. There's all this talk about miscommunication. It turns out that it was Aaron Hicks in that spot who missed a hit and run sign. 
wasn't really the rookie Gunner's fault. And he went on to have an incredible series. Gunner, who felt like kind of the only offensive player who showed up on Tuesday night for the Orioles, goes three for four with three singles and an RBI, had an RBI single in the fifth for the Orioles' only run. All three of his hits were hard-hit balls for Gunnar Henderson. He, he really hit the ball hard in this game. And you just feel like, you know, even with the team kind of down and out in that game, Henderson continued to fight, had an 89-mile-per-hour flyout in the first inning, then hit balls 107, 111, and 105 for his singles in the third, fifth, and eight. He was not backing down from this Rangers team. And it is just really, really cool to see Gunnar Henderson in his first postseason really step up to the plate and know that, all right, he's going to be ready when that next postseason challenge comes, hopefully, hopefully, in 2024. Fourth thing you need to know from this season-ending loss is that as good as Gunnar Henderson was, it might have been just as good a postseason debut for D.L. Hall. We talked about this earlier this week on the pod with what Hall did in Game 1 on Saturday. An inning and two-thirds scoreless out of the pen basically kept the Orioles in that game. Of course, they weren't able to win it, but D.L. Hall was incredible. And guess what? He did it again on Tuesday night. Now, very different circumstances for Hall in Tuesday night's game. By the time he got into the ball game, it was over, essentially. It was 7-1. to one. He was pitching in the 7th and the 8th. But he did a great job and looked just as nasty. Once again, an inning and two-thirds scoreless for Hall. One hit, three strikeouts, and no walks on 28 pitches. In his two postseason appearances in this three-game series, he goes three and a third scoreless innings, one hit, one walk, and six strikeouts for D.L. Hall. I mean, the stuff was just electric from the left side for him. And I mean, he did look like kind of a, a version of Josh Hader that's starting to grow up, had four whiffs, three of them on the fastball. The velo was awesome. I mean, he was sitting 97, up above 98 from the left side. It was beautiful. Slider looked good, tossed a couple of change-ups in there as well. Just great, great stuff to see from D.L. Hall. And, and even though he was so good down the stretch out of the bullpen and was amazing out of the pen in his two playoff appearances, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a reliever in spring training next year. Actually, I think just because Hall hasn't really gotten the chance to get a true regular spring training yet, I think the Orioles are going to go to Sarasota in 2024 next February with all the intentions of having Hall still try to be a starter. And they're going to give him every chance to win a role in the starting rotation. But if he doesn't get one of those five spots, you know that you have a dominant back-end reliever in D.L. Hall if you just move him to the bullpen to start 2024. I still think personally he has a chance to be a starting pitcher, but if he does end up in the pen long-term, this is how good he can be, and it looked really, really good from D.L. Hall, not just Tuesday night, but in this series in general. That is a, a really big positive to hang your hat on moving forward. One more thing to get to from the game and to just wrap up the series and the season coming up next, talk a bit about the O's bullpen and just kind of some general thoughts as this is the final podcast of the year, recapping an Orioles game. We'll get to that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, what is Jace Medical? It's a company that's got a product called the Jace Case. And the Jace Case, well, they get you antibiotics when you need them. Gives you peace of mind. So you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication 
in hand. It's simple. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get prescription life-saving medications sent right to your door. And you can get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So the season is over. As unfortunate as it is, the season is over. 7-1 loss for the Orioles. Game three, Tuesday night. Swept by the Texas Rangers out of the ALDS. 101 wins in the regular season and none in the postseason. This one's going to sting for a while. But got to get you the fifth and final thing. You need to know from the Orioles 7-1 loss that ended their season, and that is I mentioned D.L. Hall, right? How good he was out of the pen, not just in game one, but in game three on Tuesday night. And honestly, the rest of that bullpen was really good, too, on Tuesday. Like, six of the seven runs were given up by Dean Kramer, who lasted an inning and, third, an inning and two-thirds and was just terrible in this one. The rest of the pen looked good. I mean, Tyler Wells came in for him, inning and a third scoreless, one hit, one strikeout, no walks. Tyler Wells was awesome down the stretch when he finally returned to the big league bullpen in mid-September after everything he went through this year. Wells was basically unhittable. I mean, he did not give up a run postseason or regular season out of the bullpen when he returned. Like, he was great. And I still think the Orioles would like Tyler Wells to be a starter long-term because we've seen him even this year in the first half be, I mean, he was the Orioles' best starter in the first half of the season before it all fell apart. Now, his body has really let him down early in the second half in back-to-back years after being a starter. Didn't really do that when he was a reliever in his rookie year in 2021. I personally think his future is now in the bullpen just because you can't trust that body to get through a season as a starter unless he proves me wrong. And he'll still go into spring training as a starting pitching option. But it's nice to know, similar to D.L. Hall, that he has looked this good out of the bullpen. Then you got Kyle Gibson, who, you know, I talked about it a lot. I thought Kyle Gibson should have started a postseason game. And to be honest, if the Orioles had won Game 3 on Tuesday night and had continued their season on to Wednesday in Game 4, probably means you don't use Kyle Gibson for three innings in relief like you did in this game. But assuming they maybe would have gone and won this game and Dean Kramer would have pitched longer and you go to the A bullpen and you don't use Kyle Gibson, I really do think Kyle Gibson would have started an elimination Game 4 in Texas with the Orioles down 2-1 had they won Tuesday night. But he did get to pitch in this postseason series, comes out of the bullpen, and he looked good too. Three innings, one run on one hit. It was a solo homer hit by Nathaniel Lowe. He walked one, he struck out one and threw 32 pitches. And now I'm not fully on board with everyone that was like, you know, Kyle Gibson should have started this game over Dean Kramer. You know, it's not, you got to have the playoff experience. Kyle Gibson's playoff experience is three and a third innings in mop-up duty in the NLDS and NLCS with the Phillies last season. That is it for Kyle Gibson's playoff experience. It's not like he's a Grizzly veteran with, you know, six or seven career playoff starts. Not even close to that. He basically has the same amount that Kramer has. Now, again, I was all over not using Kramer, using Gibson as a starter instead. That was when we thought John Means would be healthy. Him having the elbow soreness being left off the ALDS roster certainly threw a large wrench into the Orioles' pitching plans for this series. And that certainly played a factor here. But it was nice to see Kyle Gibson, you know, eat three innings in this game. And I still believe that, again, if they would have gotten there to game four and had he not pitched three innings, he would have been that number one choice to be the game four starter. And I feel a little vindicated that, you know, I said that in mid-September or really, I guess it was back in August, actually late August, that, you know, I felt like Kyle Gibson would be a playoff starter. And I got more hate for that comment than anything I've ever said on this podcast or on the Internet. And 
Didn't turn out to be exactly right because they didn't get to that point, but in theory, he was good in September and he probably deserved to start game four if they got there. And then, hey, you know, D.L. Hall was great, as I said. And then it was kind of cool to, to let Yinyer Cano come into that game and, and finish off not a win, but, you know, get that final out. He did allow a hit, but then got to fly out to end the eighth, keep it a 7-1 to game. And, and really, you know, you didn't have to bring Cano into that game if you're Brandon Hyde. It's 7-1. to You could have brought anyone else in. You could have left D.L. Hall in. But that was more, I felt like, of a reward for Cano for the great regular season that he had with the Orioles to get him in there, to get an out, to pitch in the O's final game. At that point, you're down 7-1 to in the eighth. You kind of know your season is about to end. Yes, the Orioles did try and rally a little bit, right? In the eighth inning, they loaded the bases with two outs again. Aroldis Chapman had no idea where the strike zone was. But other than that, I mean, it was just really, despite the bullpen being good and, and, and you know, Gunnar Henderson being good, just no offense from the Orioles. And, and it was really tough to watch. I mean, they were dead from the beginning, it felt like. I mean, yeah, they got a couple of hits scattered here and there, but just one run on six hits. And, you know, they worked a, a couple of walks against Chapman in the eighth, and, and, and that was it for their base runners. I mean, the Orioles did not even have an extra base hit in this game. They got a single from Westberg. He went to second on a ground ball, and then he scored on a Henderson RBI single. That was it. And they loaded the bases in the eighth, and Aaron Hicks grinded out on a 3-2 pitch with the bases loaded. That was really their only chance at a rally. And it just felt like they were they were out of it. They were, they were not there. It was not their night. Any of these three games really just felt like not their night. And it, it is, it's just a disappointing way for this to go out. And again, we'll get to this more and more for the rest of the week, rest of the month probably on the podcast, trying to break down what happened here, but it just, it sucks. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It sucks, right? This team was so good during the regular season. They were so fun to watch, and they really weren't even that fun to watch this postseason. Like, you know, I talked about how the the Hicks two-run single in the first inning in game two on Sunday that gave them the 2 nothing lead was like the only time in the two home games that Orioles fans had a chance to kind of explode and let it out and really have a big moment. It was the only time they had the lead in this entire series was that quick 2-0 lead in the bottom of the first. They immediately give up five in the top of the second in that game. And there goes their lead, and that's the only time they led in this entire series. You never felt like you were playing from ahead. You could set the bullpen. They were just behind. And the Rangers just beat them up, beat up their offense, beat up their pitching, beat up the bullpen somewhat as well. They were just severely outplayed in this series. And, you know, as a a big picture thing, I, I don't want to get into, like, playing the narratives and, oh, the O's were too young. They weren't ready. They got to revamp the entire roster to be ready for the postseason. You don't need to change a crazy amount of things, right? You know, you won 101 games. You won maybe the toughest division in baseball. You should be proud of that. I'm proud of this season the Orioles have had. But you also look at what happened in this series and you see that, okay, well, maybe spending money, John Angelos, maybe that works. The Texas Rangers spent a lot of money to put this team together, put a lot of depth together, put a good lineup together. And it worked. They look like a buzzsaw, and they're on to the ALCS. The Texas Rangers went for it more at the deadline. They went and got Max Scherzer, and they got Jordan Montgomery. The Texas Rangers, the three starters that they used in this sweep, Andrew Heaney in Game 1, Jordan Montgomery in Game 2, Nathan Eovaldi in Game 3. The Orioles could have easily acquired any or all of those three pitchers within the last calendar year. Heaney was a relatively cheap free agent this offseason. Nathan Eovaldi relatively moderately priced free agent pitcher this offseason. And Jordan Montgomery, the Orioles really, when they got Jack Flaherty, they got the wrong Cardinals starter at the deadline. I kept saying it up to the deadline. I want Jordan Montgomery. 
what the Rangers gave up, the Orioles could have easily matched. Instead, they went for Flaherty, which who you know did cost less, but still, they should have gone after Montgomery. And those three guys who all could have been Orioles beat them in this three-game series. Fair and square. Offense was great for the Rangers. Bullpen was better than expected. And starting pitching was great. And that is how you sweep a team of the Orioles caliber. This Rangers team is really good. It's not like they got knocked out by a bad team. It's still disappointing for the O's. And they will have a lot to think about in this offseason. I hope they can still reflect on what was a great regular season while still balancing, hey, we did not get it done when it mattered the most. And those are the things I'm going to get to for the rest of the week here on the pod. Got two more episodes, and tomorrow we're going to break it down further. What exactly went wrong for the Orioles in this ALDS? And how can those things be fixed this offseason so the O's are ready when they hopefully get back to the playoffs in 2024? But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.